This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. And I hope that it opens up communication too. Like, say a parent with a daughter say, read this letter and then go, and then they can talk about it. Like, did you ever feel this way? I remember I did, you know, or what do you think about that? Hi everyone, it's Kelly. Thanks for tuning in today to this episode of It Just Takes One. Today I am going to share an interview I did with my friend Leslie Cordova Trujillo, or as her athletes know her, Coach C. (laughs) Coach C is an athletic performance and mindset coach, developing champions in all parts of their life. She is also a kinesiology professor and strength coach at Los Angeles Harbor College. Leslie has trained Heisman Trophy winners, All-Americans, Olympic athletes, and state and national championship teams at LMU, Notre Dame, University of South Carolina, and numerous high schools. She's the director of the CHAMPS program at Los Angeles Harbor College, which helps student athletes succeed in academics and athletics. She was voted Star Instructor of the Year by her students, and she is currently married to her husband, Jake, and they have two beautiful and amazing kids, Mateo and Angelica. And although she has all of those accolades in the strength and conditioning and coaching fields, in our interview, we actually focus on another project that hasn't made it to her bio yet, (laughs) coming soon. She, her sister, Deanna Cordova, and her friend, Kim Jones, are the authors of a brand new book called Dear Her. It's a very unique book, and I think Nicole Ari Parker, the actress who writes the foreword, says it very well. She says, that is exactly what Dear Her is. A group of women who gathered their tools, put them in a place where others can see them, and turned on the light bulb of decision. Their voices are passionate, strong, and experienced. As I turned each page, I was so grateful for these women sharing their stories. I could feel them taking up space in my mind and in my heart. I wanted to wake up my 13-year-old daughter and read these essays to her. I wanted to listen to her and see where she may have wasted some seconds to let in some unkind, unnecessary, and untrue thoughts and then find a way to ease them out. Such a great description of this book, and she's right. It is a book that is full of powerful messages from women all over the country who share their journeys, and the bold reminder throughout all of their letters is that we are powerful, and we are never alone. I'm going to let Leslie tell you more about that and tell you a little bit more about her life and about what made her want to write the book and also about some of the exciting things that she plans to do with it. So sit back and listen in as Leslie Trujillo shares her story. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to It Just Takes One. 
Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so great to have you on. We were lucky, lucky enough to be together this last weekend at the Todd Durgan Mastermind event in San Diego. So it was great to see you in person and kind of talk about getting this podcast together. Yes, I always love seeing you in person. I see you on Zooms for coaching calls, but in person is special because I get to hug you and thank you for everything you've done for us. It's true. For those that are listening, um, I'm actually looking at Leslie right now on the screen and we do often do our calls on the platform Zoom. So it's sort of think Brady Bunch with lots of little windows and people's faces in them. And so as we got to the event this weekend, I said, I feel like everyone should have a picture frame around their head so that they look the same as I see them all the time on screen. It's always good to connect together. Leslie, you and I actually met through the Todd Durkin Mastermind Group many, many years ago. When did you actually join his group? So I was a part of the original. I was in the first one. So it was like 12 years ago. There was around 20 of us in a room in San Diego in February. And so 20 years ago, what, 2007? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2007. And then I was in the group for around five or six years. And then I met you right when you were coming in. And I took a break because I was I just got married and I was pregnant and had uh, kids and was working on my PhD work. I didn't finish the PhD. I changed it to certificate in sports psychology, but I was just doing a lot of things. And um, I decided to take a break, but I missed it. I missed the community. I missed the growth. I missed the accountability. And so I joined back up again two years, two years ago or a year ago. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, amazing when you find a community of people that are pulling and rowing the boat in the same direction, you know, pulling together and you do miss it when you're out there on your own, you feel a little bit like an island. For those people that don't really understand the concept of the mastermind, how would you describe it? Man, well, mastermind is powerful very powerful. I'll tell you that it basically saved my career and it saved my life because when I, so well, I was a strength conditioning coach. That was my background as, you know, for Loyola Marymount, Notre Dame and USC. And then I decided to leave because I was going through some things personally and then professionally, it didn't pay a lot. It was $35,000 in Los Angeles. <laughs> Doesn't get you very far. Um, and, so, and I had two masters and I was just like, I need to change. So I left to do my own thing, but I thought like all of a sudden all these people would come to me, you know, I'm like, here I am, I'm this trainer. And, and it didn't work like that. And I was, um, and I was alone and I was scared and I was going to give up the fitness field. I was looking for some jobs. I couldn't get, uh, I couldn't find anything that would pay me well. And then I remember I was going to Nordstrom to even look for a job. Like I was ready to give up on my two masters. I was ready to give up on my six years of experience being a strength conditioning coach. And um, I was done. And then I got in a car accident. On, I remember vividly, I got in a car accident on Valentine's Day. And I was like, why God? Like, why? I'm a good person. What's going on? And I was broker than broke. And I joined the mastermind because I was working on uh, my PhD and, and somebody that I was working with told me about, she was actually Todd Jerkin's massage therapist mm. and she was taking classes. So she told me about the group. And so I was like, that sounds good. I want to do that. It was basically, she told me it was like coaching for entrepreneurs or, or for people that are running a business. So I went down to my first one and I felt like a fake and I felt like a phony. I slept in my sister's car cause I couldn't afford the, um, 
hotel, you know, and we were sitting in this room with amazing people. And I'm like, I don't belong here. Like they all have real businesses and I don't have anything. Like I'm just trying to figure it out. But you know, Todd looked me in the eye and said, get over it. Like the past stuff. I was talking about the past. Like I was this and I was like, get over it. Let's move forward. I got coaching. I got accountability. You got to sit by a room of people that shared their struggles and shared their successes, shared their goals, shared their dreams. And you're like, wow. And it inspired you to be better. And like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And then you had people that believed in you and said, you can do this. You can do this. And so for me, a mastermind is um, a group of people that that can believe in you when you don't believe in yourself, that can hug you and hold you up when you're feeling down and can support you and cheer you on when you're going and going, you know, and and different people like there's, there's one, she's not in it right now, but Jeannie, I remember Jeannie, she was a shining angel for me and she saw what I was struggling with and she would, I would get like random books in the mail from her. Like she's like, read this or I'd get a CD from her and say, listen to this. And it was like, she made music to like uplift me. And I was like, I'm going to get emotional because she just knew when I needed it and she would send it out. So to me, a mastermind is family and love and uh, coaching and just everything. It's everything to me. I, I agree with all of that. And, and when I joined it, I felt a lot the same. You know, when I first joined, which I'm coming up on my tenure here, um, my coach was Larry Indiviglia, and he, I didn't have a studio yet. It took me four months to open it from that point, uh, but I just had this like small seed of an idea, and within four months, my studio was open, and I had clients, and it was running, and Larry was the one who believed in me. You know, he really believed in me. He believed in me enough to tell me I could write a book, and I wrote one book and then I wrote another book and, and now I publish books, <laughs> but it all started with that seed of somebody who took the time to coach me, to hear me, to share with me, to see in me what, what was in there, but what I couldn't quite see, or at least couldn't, couldn't believe in, you know, if somebody else believed in me, then I could believe in it. Right. Yeah. So when you say that about the, that, people believe in you. I think that's a really powerful message. Who in your life, if you go back before the mastermind, just even growing up, who, who believed in you? Who were some people that you remember influenced you and believed in you enough that it made an impact in your life? Well, of course it starts with my, my parents, my dad and my mom. And my dad was my coach, like when I was five, you know, in kindergarten. So from kindergarten to eighth grade, my dad was my coach and supported me. Um, my mom was never an athlete herself. She was too in introverted. <laughs> so um, she didn't play athletics, but she was fit. Like she could play, but she'd like get too scared and when she would get out there. Uh, but she always supported us. And so my dad supported us in terms of athletic knowledge and would always push us and believed in us. And he would like... <laughs> I was a daughter that wouldn't listen, you know, she, he was my coach and he believed in push, but I was like doing my own thing pushing and I was, back. <laughs> yeah, pushing back and, but they always believed in me. And then my mom was more of like the emotional support to always believe in me. Um, I, I had low self-esteem on because I was, I was overweight and I had glasses and I had braces and she was always like, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You know, and she'd tell me and then I'd be like, yeah, right. You're supposed to tell me that you're my mom. And, <laughs> but they, you know, they always believed in me. And 
I had a coach that was very negative, um, my volleyball uh, in high school. And I remember one time I shared my dream with her. I said that, because I was a setter, and I said that I wanted to play all the way around, which means I was going to work on my vertical jump. And, and she laughed at me. And I remember her laughing, you know, a high school girl and you're sharing your dreams, like you're being vulnerable. And she laughed and I was like, oh, like that ate away at me. But I had, and I was going to quit. Like there was a number of other things. Like I would come home crying every day from volleyball and I was going to quit my, but my parents kept supporting me and they kept pushing me and they're like, don't you quit. You can, you know, we'll support you if you want to, but you're stronger than this. You're good. She's just not seeing it. You got to, you know, fight for it. And they always did everything and, you know, and I had a younger sister and they're like, be a good, you know, be that example for your sister of, you know, persistence and pushing through. And then when I uh, graduated, my dad called the tennis coach at UNM and um, he's like, my daughter wants to try out for the tennis team. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know he called and I didn't know you could try out for tennis teams or anything like that. But he, he's like, she wants to, and, you know, because he always believed in me. And she gave, called me back and she was like, so I heard you want to try out. And I was like, I do? <laughs> like, I didn't know, you know. So she, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, she came and watched my um, tennis my tennis match. And she was like, well, you know, you can if you want to try out and work with us. And, but, you know, you're going to put, have to put in some work. And, and so my parents got me coaching and my dad would read books. He would write me letters. My mom would write me letters because I was hard to communicate with. <laughs> So they would write me letters instead to try and get their point across because I was not good at listening. <laughs> and, uh, but they were good at writing letters. And, and that's how I got into actually strength and conditioning. That's how I got first was, was in, at UNM. And none of that would have been possible if I didn't have my dad and my mom supporting me and, and my sister to, you know, uh, lead the way with in terms of athletics and not giving up and believing in ourselves. You know, I'm so glad you just shared that. I didn't even know that. Um, I knew some of that. I didn't know all of that. But, you know, part of the reason that we're talking today is because you've been working on this project, this this book that you're publishing. Um, just in a couple of weeks, it'll be out. And it's a, it's a book of letters. Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned how much those letters meant to you. Talk about the connection between those two things. Did you know that when you set out to make this a book full of letters that it was because of some kind of influence those letters from your parents had on you? Not till I just said that right now. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> Me either. That was a really interesting connection. Yeah, like I know I'm getting emotional. <laughs> I know I have like, I have shoe boxes of like letters they wrote or like notes, you know, from friends. Cause we didn't have cell phones then. We didn't have like texts and stuff. So everything was handwritten. So I had a lot of like notes or cards or things that like meant something to me. I have via letters. And then we went to a private school that, you know, when you graduate, you have a retreat and stuff. And their parents or family members or people would write you a letter about what they wanted to say. And it was so powerful. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't think about that <laughs> till now, but yeah, those letters are powerful. Yeah. And the power of the written word, what you can, what you can hear when it's written and you're reading it that you can't hear when somebody's standing in front of you speaking it, mm -hmm. you know, especially at those tender ages, you know, those adolescent ages where nothing your parents say 
is anything you want to hear anyway. <laughs> yeah. And you know, not, like with that, I had a journal, a journal always saved me. So from sixth grade to, I don't need to start again, but to like, I got married basically. So 35, I, I had like, you know, a diary or a journal and I always wrote and I was not good at expressing myself vocally. Like people would ask what's going on and I'd be, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Like everyone thought I was always this loud, happy clown type person. And I was outgoing and everything was great, but I had, you know, internal struggles and I would write about it instead of talking about it. That was my healing was writing in the journals. The cathartic experience of putting it down on paper. Yeah, it is. Writing is a powerful tool. It really is. Or if we could do a whole podcast just on that. <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about this book. The book is called Dear Her, a really interesting, unique twist on getting motivated and inspiring athletes. And so talk a little bit about, give a, a little summary of the book, and then we'll talk about where that idea came from. Okay. Well, basically, the summary of the book, you know, we are targeting young girls, teenagers, mostly athletes, but I think anyone could benefit from it, um, about the journey. And like I said, a lot of us, as being, especially being athletes, you got to be tough. You got to be strong. You got to push forward. And we're all go, 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 do, 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 like go to class, you know, get good grades and then go to practice and then be tough and hustle and then go to weights and then lift and then go home, do your homework. And it's like, how's, how's school? Fine. Okay, good. Good night. But you know, it's like, there's nothing deeper than that. It's all real superficial. Like these are what you need to do. And we don't talk about what's going on inside in the head and the emotions. And so, you know, I'm now as a coach, I work with a lot of teenagers and young adults and I see they have similar struggles that I had. Um, and I don't really get to talk to them a lot of times too. Cause I get to see them for that one hour that I'm training. I try to, if I've seen something talk, if I have to, I try and relay messages in my shares after we lift weights and stuff but we don't really get to go deep into, Hey, I had those struggles too. Hey, I was afraid too. Um, and, and they see us as these strong women, as these role models and we've made it through, but they don't see like that. We were just once just like them. So what we wanted to do is to collect letters from all kinds of different women to show um, that they're not alone and whatever they're going through, somebody's probably gone through it before as well and they've made it through, and they made it through okay. So it's this whole book of letters. I'm actually gonna read this first paragraph of the introduction because I think you, you speak to that deeper place very quickly. You say, this book is a reminder to you of your worth, beauty, and strength. It has come from a lifetime of women's journeys. It is a reminder that you are not alone. Anything that you're going through, there is probably someone in the world who has gone through a similar situation and made it through stronger than they were before. Let these letters help you understand that you can make it through any challenge in front of you. Allow them to also remind you to celebrate yourself and enjoy the journey. Everything in your life is happening for you. We do not know all the answers. All we know is that we can share our experiences with you and have compassion for ourselves as we journey down our paths together. Let us start with the truth. 
You are enough. You are loved. Yes. So there is, and it's specifically Dear Her for now. There will be a Dear Him coming later. This is really for young women specifically. Why did you choose to do the book just for young women? Well, um, well, I was a young woman. <laughs> what? <laughs> the easy answer. <laughs> um, but I think that there, a lot of times there's, there is, there's more resources. Now it's getting better, but there's always been more resources for male, males um, as, there, as opposed to females in terms of the journey. But also, and you know, I do believe that males have their own struggles in terms of growing up in teenage years and the dear him will be really, really powerful. Um, but with the dear her, it was just, it was the time I, I, I'm really passionate about helping female athletes. I mean, male athletes as well, but, but there's just, it's just real hard time. I'm seeing these girls right now struggle, especially with social media, um, with our times nowadays, uh, you know, with the me too movement, with a lot of things going on is figuring out their voice and, you know, finding out the challenge. And like I said, we've, we've also been taught to be tough, right. And, and all that. And I think, which is great, but I think that we're losing some of the, it's okay to be vulnerable too, with some of the feminine energy within that. So that's why I wanted to bring in the dear her, like, like you're going to be tough and you are, you're going to be that and that's fine, but you can be soft and you can be vulnerable too. And I believe that's a message that they, they need that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have, I have a son of 13 year old son and I have a six year old daughter. So I, you know, I can see the frailty of the beauty of youth, <laughs> the beauty of youth. And when we start to lose some of our confidence in ourselves because of the outside world and the voices we're telling ourselves inside our head. Yeah, I, I agree. And I do think there's also another element and maybe it is with both for sure, but maybe right now the focus being the young woman with what you said there, the truth, you know, you are enough and you are loved. What do you think it is about those two sentences? Why do girls need to hear those things? Man, because I've seen that's a fear. It's a fear that they're not enough they're not good enough. They're not pretty enough. They're not smart enough. You know, they're not talent enough. They're not whatever enough. And so it shows up in sports with, um, not good enough. They afraid to, afraid to make mistakes, right? Because it's like, if I go out there and I try and then I make a mistake, coach is going to get mad at me. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to pull out. Uh, I'm not going to be able to play right? Or it's afraid of what are they going to think about me if I make up? So they play in fear a lot of times because they're afraid of what others are going to think about them. Because then it verifies that, yeah, I am not good enough, you know, and then uh, or I'm not smart enough. Because on our society, we base stuff based on grades. So what kind of grades are you getting? Not in terms of are you doing the best for you? Are you learning? Like it's all about what kind of grades are they getting, you know? And then if you are really trying your best and you're not getting as good a grade as somebody else, then in your mind, you're like, oh, I'm not smart enough. I'm not going to be able to get a scholarship. I'm not going to be able to go to college, right? There's so many outside pressures of us to do, and there's not enough um, enforcement or encouragement on us to be. And that's the thing with 
with the girls I'm, I'm noticing and seeing, you know, and sometimes in our meditation, cause I work with athletes and we'll do a meditation and we'll go through like the body and yes, we'll be like, that's gratitude for your feet to like get you to run and jump and let's gratitude for your legs for sprinting. And I'll go through the whole body, what we're grateful for. But then it's, then I'll go on and you just don't have to do anything right now. Like notice who you are just in this moment. You're just being, you're amazing. You're strong. You know, just trying to let them know in the moment, they don't have to do anything for love. They don't have to show themselves for love. They don't have to score a certain amount of points to get loved. They don't have to get straight A's to get loved. Like they are good enough as is. And then, but they can work for those things if they choose to, if they want to, right? Cause growth is a part of life, but they don't need those things to feel worthy. That's powerful. Coaches have such an important role on thinking about those kids that have that message coming from you and that, that true belief that you have in them, that you're showing them when they're working out with you and when you're leading those teams. And I, you know, there's no doubt that all of us need more of that in our lives. We're talking about it with the mastermind. We still need it. Uh, but certainly at those ages when you're really just trying to define yourself and decide who you are and who, who do you want to be, not just what you want to do. Um, yeah. It's a really crucial time. Yeah, it's huge. And I know when I was in high school, I was so concerned about that, that I wasn't pretty enough, smart enough, talented enough, you know, good enough, and always being compared to the other teammates. Like if I didn't start, then I wasn't good enough. Or, um, you know, if I wasn't on the honor side of the year, I wasn't getting straight A's or, or, you know, I put so much outside pressure on myself because also I didn't believe I was pretty enough. So that means I had to be smart enough. Like I had to make up for it in other areas, mm-hmm. you know, and I put so much pressure on myself and then sports too. Like I remember, you know, with tennis, I was like, okay, <laughs> I could never play a game. Like volleyball was better because it was a team sport and I could focus on other people, but tennis was just myself. And I was like, okay, I'm going to lose this next point. And then the score is going to be this. And then what I'm going to tell them when I lost, and then they're going to be mad at me. And, the, you know, I would go through a whole game and I was, I hadn't even played the game yet, but I was going through the whole scenarios, whether I win or lose to, you know, get recognition or defend myself for being a loser, right? you know, for the criticism um, that you knew would be coming. Right. Instead of just being present and enjoying the journey and growing. It's so interesting because obviously I worked with you on this book and I read through. So, so all the letters in this book are written by just a variety of women. They're not, you know, any classification of women. They're just women who wanted to contribute and they were writing letters to their younger self. Not all of them were young athletes. A couple of them weren't. Most of them had some experience in athletics and that message was, was often heard, you know, that they wanted to give their younger self the the recognition and the significance and the assurance that they were okay um, even as they were writing back to them did you get much response or get much feedback from people that actually wrote the letters what was their experience in writing the letters um yes so one i love that you said that because none of these women knew what any other person was writing. They wrote their own thing and then sent them in. And most of the women don't even know each other. And so, yes, they're all different things throughout the letters, but there are some common themes. And that's where you're like, oh, we do go through this. We're not normal. But from all the women, they were so grateful 
to, to write the letter, they said that was very like cathartic for them, very healing, um, looking back at their lives and then writing it and seeing what they're going through. And a lot of them too, as, as with me, um, you're like, I need to also listen to my own advice as well, <laughs> right? So you're saying these things and, and, it, and it was healing because you made it through. But then like that intro says, we don't know all the answers and we're on our own journey. So as you see these things and you learn these things, then you, we take them with them, you know? And I noticed that like in the mastermind, um, women have similar struggles still of, you know, not being pretty enough, not being good enough, not being smart enough, especially as an entrepreneur, especially in the fitness area, probably in other ones, but in the fitness area, there's a high thing. Do I look fit? Do I look sexy enough? Do I look strong enough? Right? Because that's what's portrayed in social media for mm -hmm. fitness is you're in a sports bra and, a, and late ribbed abs. <laughs> yeah. With ribbed abs. And I'm like, I don't look like that. <laughs> No, me either. <laughs> right. So, so it's like, I wanted to say it's a journey, you know, it's a journey, but you're going to make it through. And, and if we can help these girls at a younger age, maybe they can figure out some tools that'll help them later on, you know, cause I feel like I have a lot more tools now and I still have struggles, but I'm okay with them because I have the tools to get through them. I have a coach to get through them. I have support to get through. I know I'll make it through even with my struggles, like I'm going to have them. But when I was younger, I had them and I didn't know how to get through them. I didn't That's know right. I had support. So would you say somebody, who, who do you think your main audience is for the book? Is it the young girl who just needs that, that message? Is it parents, moms maybe that need to remember and rethink? Is it coaches who need to learn a little bit more about what it's like to coach a younger person? Um, to hear it from the adult voice, who who is? I feel like anyone who has a woman in their life, <laughs> but you know, but definitely the teenage girls. That's who it's directed to. That's who it is. But I feel like all women would benefit from it because they would remember their journey and see themselves and get ideas and rem remind them of who they truly are. I think dads. It would be great for dads to get some insight into what their daughters are going through um, as they're growing up. I think it's great for coaches because they can see the, the impact that they do have on these young. Like there are some that one was like that a coach told them like the first day, like you're going to have to transfer. You're not good enough. We don't want you on your our team. Right. And, but sometimes you hear stuff like that and it motivates you too. And sometimes it can break you. So it depends for that person it motivated them mm -hmm. and they, and, and I know that person personally, I trained her while at SC and she was a rock solid athlete and they needed her after she, you know, she showed them they needed her and they relied on her. But at the beginning, the first day they met her, they're like, you should transfer. You're never going to play. Right. And so to know that is to see that is very powerful. You know, I think coaches need to, to know the impact they're having because coaches have a huge impact. And I, same thing. I had a negative coach and she impacted me in a negative way. However, I've used that in a positive way because I was like, I don't ever want to be like that. I'm never going to laugh at anyone's dreams. I'm always going to support them. If they have a dream, I'm going to show them how they can get there because I believe everyone can have an opportunity at their dream if they're willing to work for it. Mm -hmm. You've got to put in the work, you know, and it's not easy. 
it's not easy. You have to put in the work. Um, so I think that if coaches can read it and understand how maybe the inside of what they're going through, the girls, they can help them more. So I yeah. agree. I agree. I think uh, the, the coach's role is, is pretty profound. You know, they do have a big impact one way or the other. You know, I look at the coaches that I had, uh, you know, my dad being my first coach and, and still <laughs> my biggest cheerleader it was a great experience. But some of the coaches that I had, you know, my swim coach, my, my um, different coaches throughout cheerleading that I did in high school, you know, each one of them left its own mark. And I look at it with my kids and the coaches that they've had and the ones that have inspired them and the ones that have turned them away and, you know, just made them not want to even be at practice, more or less, you know, step up and do their best. Um, it, it is an important role. So I do hope that coaches pick this book up and use it to help them round out what they're doing and see the power that they can give to their, to their athletes or, or anyone that they're working with if they yeah. just listen and see it a little differently. And I'd hope that it opens up communication too. Mm -hmm. Like say a parent with a daughter say, read this letter and then go, and then they can talk about it. Like, did you ever feel this way? I remember I did, you know, or mm -hmm. what do you think about that? Or a, coach they can use it as a, a motivational piece like before like let's talk about this or after whatever um to you know gain more connection on the emotional side because we're always like up on the masculine feminine energy go and that's good that's what sports are we need that but there's another side too into the human being that will affect the the feminine will affect the masculine energy you know and so and the vice versa. So if you want the best athlete, you have to help them develop as the best person they can be through challenging times. Absolutely. How many letters are there in the book total? 45. So 45 authors of this book, <laughs> but actually three of you were the ones who put it together. And I just want to um, share a little bit about Deanna, your sister, and Kim, your, your friend, who helped put this together. Talk about that collaboration and what it was like working together with these two people that are so close to you and putting together this book that's going to be, you know, such powerful messages. Yeah, um, I'll start with Kim. So I met Kim actually years ago when she was trying to get into the strength and conditioning field and she found me, I'm not sure how. And so we actually met and she was asking me about the field and my advice and you know and I gave her some directions and my guidance basically on what I've learned and then she became a strength conditioning coach uh, you know not because of my advice but I helped her along the journey and she got to observe me and watch me I think she said I was one of the first women she saw running a strength conditioning program in a session um, so that was cool and then later on we just reconnected so I teach kinesiology at Los Angeles Harbor College, which is a community college, and our rival or our person down the way is El Camino College, where she is the strength and conditioning coach. So we reconnected and just talked about some of the journey. You know, we're both female strength conditioning coaches, which in our field is very rare. It's getting better. It's getting better. There are more. Um, and you'll see now that I think there's one or two female strength coaches in the NFL, um, there's one, there's two assistant female coaches in the NFL, not, not strength, just, uh, assistant football. There's one in the NBA female. Um, 
so you know there's one here one there <laughs> but you know we both worked with I was the head of football here she was the head of football there or baseball you know I trained um, basketball teams but we just talked about the journey or the struggle of a female in a male dominated sport especially for strength and conditioning and for football and what's that like so we started a podcast on that called Convos with Coaches. And that's what we were doing. We we're just talking about that and talking about the journey. And so, you know, she was a partner in, in that. And then my sister, Deanna, she's always been my rock since I'm five years older than her, but she's she's been the support and the wind underneath my wings. Like she's been the one that would, you know, distract my mom when I was having a party and I needed to clean up before mom comes home. <laughs> She'd be the one that would like lend me money when I needed it. And, you know, she was my girl always, even though we had, you know, tough times. But now growing up, she's like my best friend. I love her. She makes me laugh. And, um, but she's in the fitness field as well. Um, and she's like, <laughs> she, she describes it like this. The other day she said, do you know who Roy Disney is? And I'm like, no, who's Roy Disney? And she's like, that's Walt's brother. And I'm like, oh. And then she's like, Roy is the one that always kept Walt in check. Like Walt was the um, face of the operation and Roy was like, the, and she's like, I'm your Walt to your, no, I'm your Roy to your Walt, you know? That's <laughs> true. So like, she, did, she did the website for it. She's the one that helped collect the letters. She's really... Um, great with all that stuff so she was a huge support in helping to um collect the letters and and get out there and then kim d and i that's what we did we just blasted on social media we contacted all our friends family members talked about the project and asked people to send in a letter and you know deanna created the site where they could go and let's upload their letter yeah definitely a, a great collaboration and i always think it's so nice when you hear about two sisters that are like Roy and Walt, right? <laughs> but you know, yeah. just that relationship that you guys formed, because it's so easy to not have that and to drift away and to, you know, let sibling rivalries or whatever creep into relationships. So it's really nice when somebody has such a close and mutually respectful connection with their sibling like that. Yeah, when we were younger, it wasn't like that. We would always fight all the time, and um, I'd always beat her up and until she got bigger than me, then I became her friend, <laughs> right? But I would always manipulate her and steal her ice cream and make, you know, like I was just, I was a bad sister and she was just this, you know, going along. And our mom would always be like, one day you guys are going to be best friends. And we're like, no, we're not, <laughs> you know, and we fight. And then around college is when I started to mature. And then I would come back and want to be in her life because I was always running and doing my own thing with my friends. And then she told my mom, like, why, why does, why do I have to be in her life now that she wants to, you know, like I was ready before and now, and then we got all, we got through that and, and yeah. And she's the best aunt to my kids, best aunt ever. So yeah, we have a great connection. I'm very grateful for her. It's great. And it's so great that you were able to work on this project together because it was something that you have thought about for a long time. Share the story that you shared at um, the retreat um, in your presentation this past weekend about your 10 year, the, the surprise that you found out 10 years ago. <laughs> okay, well, I'll start with the current one, actually. So we had a boy that uh, came to live with us um, his name was Alex and you know his dream was college basketball and like 
me and my husband said, we'll support anybody's dreams in any way we can. And so he came and lived with us the past two years. And it was a great because we got, he got to be a great big brother to our kids, show them an example of um, following your dreams, working hard for it, and just being a great guy. He didn't, he's a high school kid, right? Didn't drink, didn't party, was just all about school and basketball. I'm like, that is a great example. He was always home before midnight. I mean, he was never out. I'm like, I was not like that. I'm so grateful for you, for your example for our kids. <laughs> but anyway, we went to um, the parent-teacher conference. And the, each subject, the teacher would give you something to kind of understand what the kids were doing in class. And so this teacher gave us an assignment to write a letter to the seniors. It wasn't even a letter. It was like a paragraph to the seniors on your advice on what you would say to them. And I did that. And I was like, this is a great idea. We should collect a book of letters and, or write a book, a collection of letters to the girls. So then we went to action and we did all that and, and we did it. And then, you know, we're in process. We have everything going. And then there was that 10 year challenge on Instagram so I was like, well, I'm not going to do this. And then I was like, well, if I can find a good picture of myself from 10 years ago, I will. <laughs> so, so then I go back and I found this video of myself on stage. I was getting hot seat business coaching at this event of women coaches. And I was sharing my business and we're getting, she was coaching me up on that and everything was great. Um, and then at the end I was like, yeah, and I have this idea. I have this idea of getting all the girls I used to train to have them write letters to their younger selves or to a younger girl um, on their journey to help them with self-esteem and you know and to really have them believe in themselves and then I was like what I had this vision 10 years ago you know but I I had it and this is a lesson that I, I share in the book is that whatever dreams you have, whatever visions, whatever goals you have, if they're deep in your heart and they're true to you and they're put there for a reason, right? And so just listen to them. And life may get crazy, may get in the way. Like, you know, I went on and and had got married and had kids and did all stuff. But I wasn't ready for that book at the time. Like it came to me, but I wasn't ready for it. I had some more growth to do. I had to put myself more in a higher elevation. I, I was still struggling with myself, you know, uh, self-esteem and journey and, and things of that nature. I had to do some growing. I had to learn the struggle, like even with being a wife, that's a whole other journey of figuring that out. And then being a mom, that's a, still a journey, you know, so there's all these things. And then I wasn't training as many girls as I was at that time. I didn't have you in my life. I didn't have scripture publishing in my life. I didn't have the Todd Durkin mastermind in my life at the time. So it was like, it, it's the time now. It's the time now. But I had the dream or vision goal then, but it was like more growth had to occur, more pieces of the puzzle had to come into play. And now it's here. <laughs> and it's here. It's so, I love that story. Um, I loved it when you first shared it. And I loved it in the presentation last week. I loved hearing it just now too. I think that, you know, so many times we come up with these great ideas. You know, there's like, oh, this flashbulb moment. Like, oh, that sounds great. And then because of all those things, you know, you don't have enough energy. You just don't have enough momentum to do anything with it. And so many of them then just drift away and never to be heard from again. But like you said, the ones that are really true to you and your path, 
they stay. And they may not be in your head. They may not be something you think about every day. You may completely forget about them. But when the time's right, they resurface and, and here you are. So um, I think that's a great message for people, sort of a message of hope on your dreams and your creative visions that you might have in your life, that the ones that are really meaningful will come back. If, if this isn't the right time, they'll yeah, find their way. Exactly. And I think like if you just show up, you know, and I heard somewhere that desire means of the father or, you know, so it comes from God. Um, so if there is that desire and it is heavenly sent or universally set, however you, whatever you choose to believe in, um, godly sent, it will come back again, you know, in different ways it'll show up. And for us, how it showed up was, you know, letting this boy come and live in our, in our family, with our family and, um, and then going to his high school on, um, parent teacher night. And so doing good in the world, reminders will come to you, you know? So as long as you're doing that, God won't let you forget. <laughs> He'll bring it up when the time is right, you know? And that's yeah. What he- Puts the stones on the, on the path and you just have to mm-hmm. find the pebbles and pick them up. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's exciting. And it's been exciting to work with you on this project to talk a little bit about just the process of publishing a book. How has that been for you? I'm just thinking there are probably listeners out there who have thought about writing a book, didn't know where to go or how to start. What's, what's your message to them now that you've been through it? Everyone needs a coach. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Everyone needs a coach, right? Uh, yeah. So, you know, ours was, ours was easier, I think, um, because we had a coach and we had support and, and then I, I, my dream's always been to have a, um, a book, write a book, you know, and and it's been for years and I haven't, but then I was like, well, all I have to do is write an intro in one letter. And then we get all the other letters from everybody else. So that was our way of working around it. Um, and it came out beautiful, but then, and then, you know, we have the, um, vision of what it was. And so what does, how do we put it all together? So, you know, that part has been like, what do I want to give to this world and trying to put it together? What is the main message? And, and then we have the story of the butterfly at the beginning and, you know, how your struggle will become your strength. And then the story of the um, bamboo, how, you know, there's going and you're doing the work, but you're developing your roots in the ground and you don't see any growth. So we wanted to bring that in. So I have a friend that's an artist, Lucinda, um, and she drew our cover and I gave her the vision. We had a couple of going back and forth. Like she drew the first one. I said, yeah, can you do this? And she drew the second one. I said, yeah, can you do this? And then the third one, I think it's beautiful. It's a girl reading a book and there's butterflies coming out of it and there's bamboo. Um, but then it's always like, you know, and then we had the color and the, we were picking the color and it didn't pop right. And we're like, well, can you change this color? Can you do this? You know, so it, it's, it's not back and forth. And then the edits, right? So we were trying to do the edits and I kept telling Kelly, can you fix this? Can you fix this? <laughs> and then, you know, it's like, we're a perfectionist and sometimes you just got to go, you know, but definitely none of it would have happened if we didn't have a coach and we didn't have the support um, to, to run it. So it's been exciting though. Like now I'm, I'm actually getting really excited now cause it's actually, um, like I physically held the proof 
in my hand and that was so cool but we changed some things and did some stuff so now that when we get the second proof back of the real one like the finalized one that's gonna be so cool and then just telling people about it um i i'm excited to like gift it to all the girls that we're gonna give it to that's that's what i'm really looking forward to is gifting it to the girls yeah it is it's a really beautiful gift in addition to that, though, there is another purpose behind it, and you guys are actually going to use the proceeds for your foundation. Do you want to explain all about that? Yeah, so we're creating a foundation called Strong Her, Fast Her, and all the proceeds will benefit it. And the idea behind it is to go especially like into the inner city and go into places where they don't have the resources for strength and conditioning or sports psychology or support for female athletes and run like some clinics and do some supports. And then um, also just not the inner city, just anywhere as well um, where we can get the word out to girls. Like we're going to start where we have connections. So of course in the South Bay, California here, um, we have a couple of high schools that we're going to work with and it'll be like an hour of athletic performance training, an hour of like mindset and some vision training and then an hour of like talking about the dear her like the struggles and the journey and confidence and um the soft skills that that we often don't talk about with them so we're going to be creating that and then seattle because my sister played in seattle and then dc because she lives in dc and then santa fe new mexico where we're from a lot of our old high school teammates are now coaches mm. and so we'll go, go there and then you know anywhere else that will have us. I know some people in the mastermind already were talking to us about hosting clinics in their um, city or at their schools with different organizations. But we just want to, I guess, create a movement of um, bringing awareness and strength to these young girls and teenagers. Yeah. And, and the book is just the door that's going to open so that you can walk through it. There's so much more behind it, but I always like that when um, authors choose the foundation, you know, that is meaningful to them or they create one to then continue to spread that goodness to people behind it, you know, and the kindness that will come and the, and the help and support that you're going to be able to give these young female athletes just because somebody else got the gift of reading the book, you know, and, um, it's just that pay it forward concept. So I, I commend you for that. I think it's a great thing. The book is also being launched on March 12th. And so there's a special reason for that date. Tell, tell them about that. Yeah, March 12th is my dad's birthday, or Dee's and my birthdays, both of our dad's birthday. Um, and, you know, he has always supported us and loved us. And, like, you know, he's a kind of embarrassing dad that like when you're growing up you're like dad stop talking about me like when you meet everyone you'd be like this is my daughters and they do this and they're great and you know and and you'd be like embarrassed by it but looking back it's just he's just a proud father you know and it was really really cool so um he's the one that taught us a lot I mean he's the one that got us into sport really and he's the one that taught us a lot about the mindset and believing um, and so it's just a great gift. And I, you know, Dee was actually a really good teenager. She was, I, I mean, she had her struggles, but she wasn't as, um, 
wild, I guess, <laughs> as I was. She learned from my mistake. You know what? She was more undercover. She hid everything. <laughs> That's what it was. You're giving her all was, the secrets. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I was a little bit more obnoxiously loud and so hard as a teenager to run, you know. And so, I mean, we both were struggles at times. So just a nice gift back to our parents, um, you know, say thank you for <laughs> for supporting us all these years and all the tough times we, all the worrying we brought on. <laughs> yeah, and you know, after you had mentioned that thing about the letters, I think there's sort of that divine circle of life feeling, you know, that he used to write you letters, your mom used to write you letters, and now on his birthday, you're gonna give him all these letters. Yeah. You know, what a what an important part he played in that and the seed that he planted a long time ago and the roots that grew in you, Indiana, and, and now are spreading like the bamboo um, to, you know, people who haven't even touched the book yet, but have, have something to learn from it. So um, that's a pretty big ripple effect. Yeah, I'm grateful. Yeah, yeah, very cool. I'm going to um, finish up with a quote from you actually, a quote in the book, uh, something that you said about your life and about your journey. And I thought it might be just a perfect way to kind of round out the conversation here. You said, I wouldn't change any of my struggles because it has helped make me who I am. Always know how amazing and, and special you are. Do not judge yourself by what others say and don't compare yourself to others. Be 100% okay with who you are and it is all part of the journey, so enjoy it. Be confident. Never lose sight of the fact that you can do whatever you are willing to put in the work for. Have fun, enjoy, laugh, and don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good... Um, a final thought for people. We talked about that at the retreat this weekend. You gave a really great, you stood up and talked about that uh, great little presentation, I suppose, a little comment about how important it is to have fun. What's the message you want to leave for the listeners with that? Yeah, I mean, that's what we're here for, right? I mean, it's life. Like it says life. Like we should have life. <laughs> and what does that mean? It means you have a spirit, you're happy, you're enjoying, you know? So when we're hard on ourselves and what we're focusing on, it changes our energy. So when you're focused on light, when you focus on laughing, when you focus on gratitude, when you focus on the energy that will pull you up, even in the hard times, there's going to be hard times, but you focus on that. That's what life is. You know, it, it's enjoying every single moment because we might not have another one. We might not have another one, you know? And so laugh like, and play. We, that's what happens. We young kids are so full of energy and you see them because they don't care about what other people are thinking about and saying them. And then there comes a time where you start caring about what other people think. And then you have to behave. You have to sit down and be quiet and behave and be careful and, you know, and all these things. And then we start doing that. And then we forget, we forget who we're truly meant to be. And we're meant to be free. And we're meant to be light. And we're meant to have fun. So whatever you got to do to find that. And it's not a really a long journey. It's really a decision of, of doing it and being present and focusing on it. 
in the moment. Fantastic. Such a good message. I end every podcast episode with the question that I'm always curious about because I think it means something different to everyone. But Leslie, what does It Just Takes One mean to you? Mm, it's so powerful. Um, I would say, God, I mean, the power of one, right? Mm -hmm. The power of one. I believe that a lot of times we just get stuck, I guess, inertia. Inertia, we're just there, which is, I always tell people, it's the hardest thing to overcome <laughs> is inertia. So just one step starts that process. You know, just that one step overcomes that inertia. Um, so going forward, or if you're working out, that last one rep, <laughs> that's the one, that's the money maker. As I tell everyone, that's the money maker right there. That one rep, that one rep, you know, is, is everything to you. Or, um, you know, just that when you're struggling and someone just gives you that hug, that one hug, you know, that one hug you needed to do that, you know, or when you're going through a hard time and that one person calls you up, says hey how are you doing and laughs or just that one call that one call you know it to me it just the power it just takes one is it, we don't have to do so much just keep it simple you know take one step do one phone call give one hug do one smile you know just one thing to shift the energy just one and don't forget to do that one last rep. Yes. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Leslie, if people want to hear more about Dear Her or about your podcast combos with coaches or they want to know more about you, where can they find you? What's the best place? So the website is convos with a V, like conversations, right? Convoswithcoaches.com. Um, there's a Dear Her link there. So you can link on to the Dear Her. I mean, Dear Her will be on Amazon as well. Um, I'm on Instagram as Leslie T underscore Coach C. And then we have a Convos with Coaches on Instagram as well. And we're in the process of making the Dear Her one, which we are going to use um, the background of our sketch, the Dear Her sketch, and put positive quotes up there with um, different colors. It's going to be really cool. And then have pictures of, different girls thriving in life. Fantastic. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always fun to talk with you and just to see your smile and you are beautiful and you are shining and you're so full of light and, and fun. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. I love you so much. And I'm so grateful for you because you're a huge part of this project and I believe it's going to touch a lot of lives. So thank you. I agree. And thank you. Love you too. And I will talk with you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. I have to say that every time I speak with Leslie, I leave feeling better from the experience. She is such a vibrant soul. And I know you could hear that in our conversation. If you could have seen her, you would see this great smile on her face. I know you could hear it in her voice. And she just radiates life. She has struggled, and she has worked through many challenges in her life, but through it all, she's remained positive and upbeat, 
and she's kept her mind focused on what is most important to her in her life, her family, her faith, and her athletes. She is definitely a giver, and the foundation that she, Deanna, and Kim have established is a great example of how they will pay forward everything that they receive. I love that concept, and I know that many young women will be helped because of what the Stronger Faster Foundation will do for them. At the end of the conversation, I thought she brought up an important point, though, and I want to reiterate it here. She talks about the importance of having fun, of enjoying life, and she highlighted the importance of play. In the interview, I read a quote from her where she said, have fun, enjoy, laugh, and don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> I think that's a great message to leave you with today. Life is meant to be lived. Laugh a lot. <laughs> have fun. And make sure to incorporate a sense of playfulness into your day. Playing makes athletes better. And it can make us all better as well. Final quote for you before I end the episode is also in the book, and it's from Mia Hamm. Somewhere behind the athlete you've become, and the hours of practice, and the coaches who have pushed you, is a little girl who fell in love with the game and never looked back. Play for her. And now it's time to turn it back to you. Go out and play. And don't forget that there is always an opportunity to be the one. If you enjoyed this episode of It Just Takes One, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And feel free to share episodes with your friends as well. The more the merrier. Stay tuned for our next episode coming soon.